Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome into episode 55 of The Grid, the only show that will not be talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift this week. I'm Gabe Myers, alongside me, Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. I lied out to Travis Kelsey's Taylor Swift thing. The one thing I want to say, Travis Kelsey is living my 13-year-old dream. When I was 13, I wanted to live the life that Travis Kelsey is living right now. So I'm a little jealous, and that's all we're going to say on this. A lot of high school football to get to. District play started in Victoria. We had other really good games. We had some awesome volleyball last night. Recording this on a Wednesday. Tuesday night, some fantastic volleyball. We got a lot of good games this week as well. But we're going to start with Jeremiah, who it's so there's so many there's so much that has happened since last Thursday. This game feels like it was more than six days ago. But it was only six days ago. It was the most recent game that the, that this team played. And Victoria East, in what was supposed to be a really competitive game, and I talked to I talked to you, I talked to the coaches in the preseason, they said, yeah, Carroll's going to be right there. Talked to people down in Corpus, they said, yeah, that's going to be a really competitive game. And East made sure that was not a very competitive game. Jeremiah, how did they go about doing that? Yeah, well, East, they got the 43-7 to win over the Tigers on Thursday. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great play from both sides of the ball. But I think, you know, the main story was uh, senior Nigerell Prater for the Titans. He had 195 yards, four touchdowns, uh, three of them rushing, one passing. And he also had a few catches uh, for, for 23 yards. Uh, you know, he was the, the, the catalyst that kind of got East's offense going. He had a big run, uh, two big uh, rushing touchdowns, one of them for 64 and the other one for over 40 yards. And, you know, when he was going, uh, you know, they got the, the East defense kind of rolling, and they got a few takeaways. And they, they were really a complement to each other, and they just kind of built off of that and got the big district win over the Tigers on Thursday. So I have to ask you this. Whenever there's a result, because it's not shocking that East won, because a lot of people viewed this as, you know, it could go, go either way. So it's not shocking that East won. The final score line is what – What's shocking anybody? If Carroll had won by this score, it would have been shocking to everybody. Was it? Did East look that good? Did Carroll underwhelm you? What you know? What stood? Out, what stuck out to you the most? What was most surprising to you? Because I think you believe this is going to be a competitive game as well. Yeah. Well, entering the game, you know, Coach Charlie Reeve was kind of, you know, saying how how uh, the Tigers' running game was really, you know, a big a big part of their offense, and it, it showed early on. The game was pretty close. Uh, Robert Muhammad for the Tigers. He ended up over 100 rushing yards. Um, but I think what really gave East the momentum was just, you know, those big plays. Uh, you know, Prater, with, with most of them, he had, like I said, those two big runs. He also had a 40-plus a, a yard passing touchdown. And I think, you know, once those big plays kind of stacked on top of each other, uh, the Tigers just got behind and, you know, they couldn't, couldn't overcome the momentum that East had built. Yeah, uh, following that one Thursday night, I was we were all just kind of shocked at the result, or the final score there, and it was, I mean, what a win for East. We talked about this as, oh, well, this could potentially decide a playoff spot. Well, if it does, if it ends up doing that, East, you know, emphatically answered that challenge, and they have a, you know, a tough one against Miller that we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, but Victoria West also opened up district play against Corpus Christi King, and West finally gets in the win column, and they did, you know. It, they did it in the best way possible, fifty-three to nothing over King, and it's hard to when a team wins by that much. It's hard to learn about them, and it was, 
it was kind of expected that they would handle King last year. They beat him. I think it was seventy-two to twenty or seventy-two to twenty-one. So that you know they expected to come out and win. But the defense that Coach Court, that Coach Boyce had all all year, he said, "I want to see him fly around. I want to see him fly around." We finally saw them fly around a little bit. I think stylistically it was a good matchup for him. King runs, a, they run the spread. They don't do a ton of power running stuff. That plays the West strengths because West is more fast than physical or more fast than big, on, really on both sides of the ball. Um, and the offense, it you know Kamari Montgomery when he you know when they get that running game going, he's the catalyst for their whole offense. And throwing the ball, it's I wonder if this is a formula for West going forward where they're not going to throw the ball a ton, but when they do, it's going to be big plays, deep shots down the field. They have a lot of young guys at receiver, but a lot of speed. Jarrett Swanson's a guy who's really stepped up, a sophomore who was really kind of quiet in the spring, but in the fall, you know, really came on. And once the games have started, he's played really, really well. Uh, but Repper was 6 of 7 for 130 yards. That's over 20 yards of completion. So I wonder if this is the formula for West going forward where, it, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball with Kamari Montgomery and then big shots, deep passes over the top. So, again, tough to take away a ton. But West did everything you could want them to do. The defense didn't allow any points. The offense was efficient. When they got the ball, they didn't make a ton of mistakes. They did what they were supposed to do. So King, you know, did they overmatch King? Yes. Is King at the same level of talent as them? No. But all you can do is beat who's in front of you. And West finally got a win on the board. And, you know, being around the team this week, I know they're feeling a lot better about themselves now. It's a little monkey off the back over there. Like, okay, we got one. We're 1-0 in district play. Let's keep the momentum going. They play Moody on a Thursday night this week. We'll talk about that soon. Mike, you were down in Beeville where they the press box is not for the press. That's a... We took some shots on Twitter, and we'll take a shot here as well, because it's called a press box, you know. If only, you know, someone was called the press, it could be there. Oh, wait, that, you know, you could have been in there. Anyway, Quero, Beville, two undefeated teams, and we've all seen Quero this year. All of us have said, man, Quero looks really good, and doesn't sound like anything changed. No, they, uh, Quero jumped out to 28 to nothing lead. Uh, was pretty much in control, but... Uh, Beville's a good football team, and uh, Beville was able to expose some weaknesses. Uh, Cuero had a, uh, I'm going to say, three or four uh, busts in the secondary where mm-hmm. receivers were wide open. Uh, the the Beville quarterback, Elijah Sestida, was able to scramble a little bit, and when he did that, there were some coverage busts. And, and like I said, that's something that uh, – Coach Fikach talked about uh, he has three sophomores in the secondary. So uh, those guys have to learn because that's something going forward that they're going to have to correct. Well, and you said when they played Yoakum too, uh, Zach Taylor and, you know, Barnett, they hit big plays in the passing game as well. Yeah, they did. uh, But uh, a lot of those were, I kind of thought, were athletic plays. Mm -hmm. These were just busts. Okay. Where guys were wide open. And, uh, you know, um, they also gave up a kickoff return. Their return team wasn't very good the other night. They need to work on that. Um, but uh, offensively, uh, Kenneth Jackson had his best night of the season, and that's what Quero's been waiting mm-hmm. for. I mean, he had over 200 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, that's something that's big for them going forward. The uh, Kenneth Jackson, someone, when I watched him the first game as he was against El Campo, he, if I remember correctly, he didn't even play in the first quarter. I don't, it wasn't like anything like, oh, he's, you know, we're holding him out, but it was just kind of flow of the game stuff. El Campo had the ball for a lot of it. 
And when he came into the game, it was like instant spark, instant impact. And it's like, okay, this guy, you know, he's an important component to their team. And Jeremiah had mentioned him watching in the scrimmage, like Kenneth Jackson looks really, really good. So it's nice to see, you know, to hear him like, okay, he's starting to break through, break through, because he's someone who's shown that talent and that ability. And again, running back was the one almost, you know, question mark position on offense coming into the year was, okay, well, who's going to be the running back? And Kenneth Jackson, he he he's a game breaker. He's someone who... You know, every time he touches the ball, he makes he can make a guy miss and go for you know go for six. Yeah, there's no doubt he he did he broke a 61 yard touchdown run, but uh, he he just was running the ball hard, uh, running the ball well, which will help you know because that opens up things for quarterback Mason Nataro. I think uh, you know he likes to run the ball too. And if you've got a running back that back there that can gain some yardage, uh, that that helps your running game. Yeah, and it's it's funny talking about this because you know Quero won by multiple scores. They beat a Beville team that was undefeated. That is a good team. And you came on. You talked about well, they exposed some weaknesses. They things aren't doing well, and they're still winning by multiple scores over a team that's all you know over a team that's also four zero. So that's uh, you know first world problems over there in uh, over there in Quarrel right now. They you know they're one of you know one of the stronger teams in our area. Um, and then Jeremiah Friday night, you pulled double duty this week. Goliad Industrial and Goliad did something they haven't done in five years. Uh, beat the beat the Cobras. Talk about you know we haven't you know we saw Goliad week one or you know we knew about Goliad week one. Played Tidehaven didn't you know didn't look great, but it turns out Tidehaven's probably really really good. Um, what'd you see from Goliad Industrial? Yeah, well Goliad got the twenty eight to eight win over the Cobras, and uh, you know the thing I saw in that game, what really impacted the game the most was. The industrial errors. They had 140 yards in penalties, three turnovers, um, and uh, Goliad was able to capitalize on all of those. Uh, and I'm not saying that Goliad would have, you know, lost the game if without that. They probably still would have won. But I think when you're industrial and you have that many mistakes, I think that really puts a damper on your game. Uh, you know, Goliad they they did what they had to do. They had a 70 yard kickoff return. Um, you know, uh, quarterback Kobe Rosenquist. He he had a a nice touchdown pass to close out the second half. And then, you know, Goliad, they, they opened up uh, – I'm sorry, Rosenquist uh, closed out the first half with that touchdown. And then Goliad, they opened up the second half with an eight-play, uh, eight-minute drive, which really kind of, you know, took any momentum that goalie that uh, Industrial could have gained, you know, out, out of them. So I think, uh, you know, Goliad, they did what they had to do with, you know, all of the Industrial mistakes, and they were able to win that game and, you know, get that get that district win. Yeah, that's a big one. Again, Goliad, Mike, you saw him in the scrimmage, and you had said, you know, their defense looks really good, and that's something you're excited to see. And Industrial, their team, you know, Jeremiah, I mean, you saw a man, Shiner, they can put up points. Ashton Garza's, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in this region. So to, you know, really squeeze the Industrial offense the way they did and keep them off the scoreboard, that's something that at least says a lot to me, and I think raises some eyebrows in the area of, oh, okay, this Goliad defense, they're for real. And, yeah, they you know, they played Jordanton, they played – Tidehaven and non-district and obviously didn't get the results they wanted there but you know we're going Tidehaven week Tidehaven hasn't allowed a point yet like that which is one of the more insane things Mike you'll be over there in Tidehaven this weekend we'll talk about that game in a minute um but like Goliad's lost to some really good teams so now they're coming into district play and it's like oh they're uh 
they're a force to be reckoned with. So I'm excited to see, you know, how the Tigers progress as the season goes. And we're going to talk about this week's action. We're heading into week six of the high school football season. Guys, I can't believe we're already in week six. Uh, when I was in high school, week six was a grading period. But in Victoria, they do it by nine weeks. So that point is moot. But we're going to hear this message from White Trash Services and then go into what we expect to see in week six high school football action. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll off uh, companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area. High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 361- Five five zero one eight two six. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, eight to five during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And welcome back into episode 55 of The Grid. Mike, who was the cowboy linebacker you referenced uh, you referenced before the show? Number 55. Leroy Jordan out Le- of Alabama. Great middle linebacker for the Cowboys years ago. So I can get it. You know, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I can get in with the old, you know, with the old Cowboys who actually won stuff. You know, this, these new Cowboys who just disappoint every year. And I, you know, again, lose, losing to the freaking Cardinals. Like, if there was releg- you know, get relegated to college football for that now. Come yeah, on. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I had a bad weekend. Uh, first, I had to watch UCLA uh, score seven points. And then I watch the Cowboys, and then that night I get to see the Raiders do their Raiders stuff there. So uh, this was not a good football weekend for me. Hey, the bet, you know, is you know, I'm not going to say what I was going to say about the Raiders there. I'm not sure I'm al- I'm not sure I'm allowed to on this podcast. Um, anyway, we have plenty of high school football action this week. Thursday night, so last week Jeremiah did double duty Thursday and Friday. This week I get the privilege to do it. I'm excited to go down to Corpus tomorrow for Moody versus Victoria West. And this is one I I think a lot of people are just penciling it in. Okay, West is, you know, West beat Moody last year. West beats Moody regularly, so West is going to beat Moody this year, and it's going to be comfortable, and it's going to be an easy win. I'm not saying West is going to lose the game. What I'm saying is I think this is a little more – this game is a little trickier than maybe the general public believes. Last week, you know, last week Moody lost to uh, Corpus Christi veterans 42-0. The game was 14-0 at halftime, and Vets's two touchdowns were on defensive touchdowns. The Moody defense, and talking to West this week, the Moody defense is really good. They do, you know, they run a 3-3 stack, which is different than what anyone else in the district does. And, you know, if you talk to any offensive coach about a 3-3 stack – 
It's a headache to go against because it's impossible. It's nearly impossible to run block against because you want to get double teams to the second level and you can't really do that. And it's a three-three stack. So they talk about Moody's defense and they talk about their physicality. And again, we talked. We talked about with what West is really, really fast. They're not the big. They're not the biggest team. So this is a potentially really tricky game that a lot of people are overlooking. West certainly isn't overlooking it. All I've heard from the West players and coaches is Moody's really good. We got to be on our A game. Moody's really good. So I'm very intrigued by this because if Moody's as physical as West says, and again their defense shut out Corpus Christi Vets, which is you know one of the teams that's a class of this district. They did that in the first half last week. Now the second half they started to leak a little bit, but when your defense is on the field constantly and your offense isn't putting up points, you're eventually you know, eventually you're just going to break, and it sounds like that's what happened to the Trojans a week ago. But I'm very interested to see this game. Wes has a little bit of momentum going now. The offense is really humming. I want to see, you know, clean game. Are they still going to be efficient? They're playing another uh, – Moody runs the wing tee. Now Wes played a wing tee team in Leander Glenn or at the beginning of the season. Don't believe Moody's as talented as Leander Glenn. But, again, can Wes, you know, answer the physical challenge in this one? And that, you know, I think internally in the locker room, they're excited about the opportunity to do that. And I'm excited to see, you know, kind of how this game plays out, a real clash of styles here. And will Wes do what everyone expects them to do and just roll right over them? Or, will you know, will this be a really competitive back-and-forth game? So I'm, I'm excited to see this one play out tomorrow night. Uh, Jeremiah, you have East and Corpus Christi Miller and Miller. I've been talking to people in Corpus and they all say Miller is the favorites in the district. They got a quarterback who's really, really good. He threw seven touchdowns against a six A school, uh, earlier this month. And you, you've, you're, I mean, you're around a program. You talked to coach Reeve, you talked to the players. What did they have to say to you about, you know, the challenge that awaits them in Corpus Christi Miller this week? You know, it's obviously a big challenge when you go up against the, you know, the Buccaneers team like that, uh, you know, they've scored over 50, 55 points in three of their games. So I think, uh, you know, this is definitely going to be the d- biggest test for the East defense. Last week, obviously held the Tigers to one score. But, you know, like you said, Miller is a different animal with, you know, all the weapons that they bring. Uh, I think, uh, you know, for the defense, they're they're really going to be focused on, you know, trying to get the ball, try to keep the ball out of the playmaker's hands because, uh, you know, Miller's a team where, you know, they have a ton of those. And, you know, if they get them out in space and they could, you know, break away for big plays. So I think that's, uh, you know, a defensive focus. And, you know, as far as offense, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, Reeve liked what he saw to Prater last week. So uh, he'll get his fair share of touches this weekend. Um, but, you know, talk, talking to Coach Reeve, I think the mindset, uh, you know, against, like like Abe was saying, you know, the favorite for, for the district title is just, it's the same that they've had every week. Just, just expecting to win, expecting to go in there and taking care of business. And, um, I think, uh, you know, we'll see how, how that, you know, can fare for them in this game against Miller. Is there any – anytime you play a high-powered offense, there's kind of the easy – or I don't know, not easy because it's not like this is easy to execute, but kind of the first thing as well, just keep the offense off the field, keep them on the sideline. Did Reeve mention anything to you about, you know, possibly playing maybe a little more ball control or, po- you know, possibly doing – you know, doing some things a little bit differently just because, like you said, Miller has scored 55-plus in three of their four games this year. They are a potent offense, to say the least. Is there anything offensively or defensively, you know, special that they're doing, looking you know, looking at this week? Or is it more, like you said a minute ago, just we expect to win every game this week playing Miller. It's no different. We expect to win. What What's kind of the sense you get about what their plan is going into this one? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they definitely, you know, have that expectation of winning, but they also, uh, he mentioned that they need to, you know, come through with more effort than, you know, they've had in, in previous games, in non-district games. So 
Uh, I think, you know, effort, you know, all the defensive guys going to the ball carrier, whoever that is, I think that's going to be a, a big thing for the defense. Yeah, and for Charlie Reeve, I mean, you know, that was – I felt like for East that was a real statement win on uh, – you know, that was a real statement win last Thursday, beating Carroll the way they did. So, this, you know, another statement opportunity for Victoria East here. If they, You know, if we're looking up and in the fourth quarter, it's 27-27, East and Miller. That's going to raise a lot of our eyebrows here in the here in the crossroads and in the Coastal Bend. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. Mike, you will be at Tidehaven East Bernard. We said we talk about Tidehaven. I, t- I told you guys to talk about Tidehaven. We get there. And Tidehaven has not allowed a single point this season. I know you talk to Coach Lucio regularly. And as I said earlier this year, if confidence was personified, it would be Tidehaven head coach David Lucio. He's got a good team and he knows it. Uh, talk about, you know, talking to Lucio, your expectations, what you, you know, Tidehaven East Bernard dish opener for both these teams. Well, East Bernard has uh, started to play better. Uh, yeah. You saw them against uh, Shiner. Yeah. And then they defeated Ganado, of course, and they uh, they opened district um, with a win. Or, or no way, actually. Uh, they had a bye last week, East Bernard. They had a bye last week, that's right. But they played well in their last two games. And uh, they're throwing the ball now, yeah. which uh, they they were a slot T team for yeah. years and years, hardly ever threw. Uh, but their their OC is Tom Warlick, who used to be the head coach at Carn City, um, and they've got a good quarterback, a good receiver. So um, you know that's something that I'm sure Tidem is prepared for. And uh, for the last few years, I mean, this game has pretty much decided the district title. I know bowling has been in there, and they're still a team to watch. And Van Bleck, you know, came up with the win against. Um, Brazos last week, but uh, you know, Tidehaven, uh, you know, they they uh, unfortunately uh, they had a game wiped out. So, but it didn't hurt them against Rice, obviously, as they won forty-two to nothing. But uh, yeah, Tidehaven is just uh, seems to be rolling along. All right, I'm gonna make a bold prediction here. I made it two weeks ago. Um, but then Mother Nature got in the way. Yeah. Tidehaven will allow a point this week. <laughs> um, they w- they will allow a point. Uh, now you mentioned the receiver for uh, for East Bernard Maddox. Chris is his name. He's you know statistically atop the district and shoot. If we expanded our area to East Bernard, maybe probably atop the area in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns. He was you know against Shiner, they really didn't have an answer for him. Um, and so that, you know, I think for Tidehaven, that's, you know, he's number two. It's stopping number two is, you know, the first priority as they go into this one. And they got a running back. And he, you know, usually think of running backs, bigger guys can take the hits, you know, go, you're running up the middle, Jerome Bettis. Uh, Alexander Enriquez, smaller guy. He's, he's probably a 160 soaking wet. Um, but, you know, finds the holes like real quick, really shifty. Uh, kind of hides behind that offensive line, explodes out of there. He's someone, and he can catch the ball coming out of the backfield as well. So he's someone who they have to get the ball to a lot as well. And again, Tidehaven Day. I mean, again, having a lot of point this year. Obviously, the you know the Baylor commit, the preseason All American candidate at running back Joseph Dodds, Kale Russell, the receivers they have. Tidehaven has looked like nothing but a juggernaut through you know through the early part of the season and like i said this is a game that has decided the district title and when i was at that shiner east bernard game i was in with the east bernard radio guys who you will get acquainted you know, you already you already are acquainted with them but you'll get reacquainted with them this weekend and the first thing they asked me 
how Tidehaven looks. Have you seen Tidehaven? Have you seen Tidehaven? So this is a this is a a really fun matchup, one I'm looking forward to seeing play out. And again, now we you're getting a district play for a lot of these teams now, so we're getting into you know all the games matter, but we're really looking forward to you know these games decide playoff spots right here. This game these games decide seeding, so I'm excited to see you know these two teams face off. And then like I said, I will be doing double duty Friday night. I will be at Gennado and Kennedy and. Ganado if you know knocking off shine or something they haven't done in a long time over there and doing it in pretty dominant fashion and mike i'll turn to you because i know i'm covering the game but you had a chance to go out to Ganado earlier this week you were talking to coach josh Irving. you talked to the quarterback what you know what's the sense you get from the team because it looks like Ganado is kind of a program on the rise right now yeah i think uh, josh is doing an excellent job up there he's got the numbers up uh, I think he told me they have 30-some kids now, and they, they actually have a JV, which is great for that program. Just for the development aspect, yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he's got them believing, you know, that they can win again. That's something that, you know, is easier said than done. Uh, Kennedy will present a challenge, and Kennedy likes to run the ball. And uh, they were talking about last year's game where I think Kennedy had quite a few yards on the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's something they've been preparing for. Um, Ganado's, uh, they've had, they have good receivers. And uh, I think uh, when I spoke to quarterback Bryce Ullman, he said uh, the thing that he, they want to see improve is their route running. Uh, a lot of, he said a lot of what they've done is based on their, their speed. They've been able to get open. But he wants to see some better route running as the season goes along. Um, you know, with this district, with uh, Shiner having its troubles, um, you know, I mean, until someone shows they can stay with Refugio, obviously. But they're second, third, and fourth sitting right there. And, uh, you know, somebody, the three teams are going to get those positions. And it feels like playoff spots in this district in, in this district are up for grabs. And this is a game, I mean, we talked about, you know, with last week, Easton Carroll, could that decide a playoff spot? Well, this one could decide a playoff spot or playoff seeding at the very least. So this is, you know, and, you know, Kennedy won their district opener last week as well. So you got two teams who are 1-0 in district. And, you know, Refurio. Oh, Kennedy had a bye. Oh, Kennedy had a bye last yeah. week. I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking they yeah. won two weeks ago. Yeah. Last thing I remember, I saw they beat Carn City 37-7. Yeah. Um, but Carn City is obviously not in that district. Uh, anyway. Although Kennedy and Carson are right next to each other, that's a different discussion. Uh, we got divisions and all that, and yeah. football. It's you know, it's yeah. a, and we got zones and volleyball. We'll talk about that here in a couple of minutes. Um, but it feels like those two, three, four playoff spots. It feels like those are up for grabs, and these are two teams that believe they'll right. be there at the end of the year. You right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you've got them. You've got three rivers. You have you know, you still have, you have Kennedy yeah. and Ganado. I mean, they're all playing for that you know, for those spots. Yeah. So uh, that's really important. Of course, Refurio goes down to Three Rivers this weekend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, every that's a team that people are trying to figure out how good they are. I mean, uh, they've shown periods of being good, but then they've shown periods where they're not so mm -hmm. good. So that, that kind of kind of interesting. And, again, you want to you wanna find out how good you are. You have Refurio coming to town. That's uh, – you'll get – you know – I don't know how much you'll find out, but you'll find out kind of what level you're at pretty quickly there. But yeah, Ganado Kennedy, I'm excited to see this one play out just because I think when we look back at this game, you know, six weeks from now, I think this will be 
the result is going to be very consequential. And these are type of the game. These are the type of games we like to cover. So that should be a lot of fun. But we're gonna hear a message from Thriving Financial. We're gonna talk some volleyball, and we had a couple of awesome volleyball games last night. Jeremiah and I. I'm excited to get into it. We're gonna hear this message from Thriving Financial, and we'll be back with all the action from the volleyball court. Stay tuned. Thriving is a proud sponsor of the Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we are back with episode 55 of The Grid, and we got our first East-West action of the year in any sport. Uh, go to the volleyball court, Victoria East, Victoria West, and this was, without a doubt, the best game of the East-West Volleyball Series. Jeremiah, you were out of Victoria East yesterday, five sets, 17-15. We got overtime then in the fifth set as well. West wins fifth set, 17-15, 3-2. And now 27-0 versus East, but East was right there. They had a shot to win it, up 13-9. Talk about what happened from there to what ended up being 17-15 West. Yeah, well, uh, like you said, East was up 13-9. They had, uh, you know, all the momentum, you know, with the home crowd cheering cheering for them. Um, and then uh, West Co- head coach Garrett Gomez, he called a timeout, talked to his girls, kind of gave them a, a little bit of, of motivation and, you know, after that, they came out. Uh, um, you know, East did commit a few errors. I think three, three in a row. Um, Hannah laced from uh, Victoria West. She she hit an ace to kind of get the momentum going, and then uh, you know from there it was just back and forth. And then uh, you know Grace Whaler, she she came through with the match ceiling kill. And uh, you know I posted a video on Twitter of, of uh, you know the West bench cheering, and uh, you could tell it meant a lot to Garrett Gomez. I think he. He got on his knees and he started like hitting the floor after the win. So, uh, you know, it was a big win for for them to you know keep that twenty seven and zero streak alive for for the Warriors and um, yeah for East. Uh, even though you lost, I think uh, you know head coach Shelby Spratley, she she was still proud of the way that her team played. Uh, you know they hadn't uh, Victoria East hadn't won a set against West since two thousand seventeen. So to, for for that team to take it to a fifth set, I think that was really big uh you know big for this young young roster so yeah a little a little behind the curtain here so you know my volleyball game i was at yokum in columbus which we'll talk about in a minute here uh that's where i was last night but i'm following jeremiah's twitter as he's giving updates on west and east and i can't start writing my story until i see what a final is from over there i start texting him like hey is the game over what's going on what's going on because the last i heard east was up seven three in the fifth set which usually seven three like that's a big that's a big gap, especially when you're only playing the 15. So, I mean, credit to West for, you know, for mounting that comeback. And You mentioned Gomez and his emotions at the end. Garrett Gomez is not someone who lacks emotion. Uh, he, he will definitely show it. He's a very upbeat, outgoing, you know, kind of wears it on his sleeve. Um, so, I, I 100% believe that, him getting on his knees and stuff after the game. Uh, talk about, I mean, was it... You're 0-26 against the team, and you're right there, and you get a timeout called. Do you think you just, you know, you're 16, 17-year-old kids, you kind of just freeze up in the moment, and, oh, my gosh, we're so close, we're so close, let's not make the mistake. And what, you know, 
what kind of led to because again from 13.9 to 17.15 that's a I mean that's drastic I mean I think I text you right after like that is heartbreaking for for East I mean I imagine some of it you mentioned Grace Wilder with the last kill Hannah Lowe's you know less getting the you know getting the ace was it West just finding another gear or did East you know just start to maybe feel the pressure of the moment a little bit I think it was a little bit of both and uh there was also a moment where East was rewarded a point and you know was one away from from you know winning the match but then the the refs had a discussion and gave it to West and I think that was you know that definitely played a role in you know East's kind of losing faith that that they could win the game and then West just closed it out so I think uh, it, it was a little bit of both of you know East making a few mistakes and West just uh you know showing why why they're um you know one of the better teams in in the district in that north zone Talk to me about the flow of the game a little bit because just reading the box score and seeing the sets, it was not like every set was 25-23. Like you had like 25-17s and 25-15s. Like it was all the sets until the fifth were like really wide margins. You know, just box score scouting. It looked like there were just massive swings in this game. Was, Was that how you felt, you know, watching it in real time? Yeah, there definitely was. I mean, uh, you know, after that first set, it looked like, you know, the match was just going to go the way it's gone the past 26 games with the West sweep. Uh, and in the second set, East came out uh, pretty strong. Um, uh, I believe they 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 had a lead, and then I, I think West went on an 11-to-1 run to take a 17-to-16 lead. Uh, but then East, you know, pulled through in that one. Then the, the, the third set, it looked again like West, you know, West looked like it did in that first set uh, with a, you know, comfortable win, and then the the fourth uh, East came out 10, 10 to zero run um, and closed that one out. So it, it definitely was back and forth. And um, I think, uh, you know, it just shows with, you know, Spratly and that, that program, that young, young group of girls that, that she has of, you know, the fight that they have in that team. Yeah. It's just looking, it was, it just looking at the box score, it just felt like that was an absolutely wild game. Cause you know, when you, when, you, when something goes five sets, you expect it, the box score to read like 26-24, 25-23, 25-21, like going all the way down. But that, that wasn't this match at all. And both teams, we were talking about this in the break here, both teams are really young. So, you know, there's a lot of sophomores on both these teams. So uh, there's a potential here for this to be kind of a burgeoning rivalry, obviously East and West, but with this group, like this core group of players for them to be going up against each other for the next, you know, this season and the following two years. So three years of this group battling each other. So that's, you know, if you're a fan of volleyball here in this town, that's really exciting because for so long it's been a hammer and nail rivalry. But maybe yesterday set, you know, kind of gets this rivalry kickstarted as, oh, okay, we're, you know, we're playing on level ground now. Let's, you know, let's battle this out. So that's really exciting here. Like it's probably the best game of the rivalry to date so excited you know they match up again later this year we're excited about that one while jeremiah got to stay home in victoria i went out to yokum in columbus a rematch of last season's region four final and columbus wins three to one and that you know last year columbus won all three times these two teams played there was an era positivity about yokum after the game the first thing was my observation here i, I watched yokum i watched their first few games of the season against st joseph and they also played shiner they played gonzalez they played i think they played somebody else as well um that i watched i felt like i was watching a different team than the one i saw six months ago and we talk about it in football all the time of 
like we talked about Shiner football, like we expect them with Coach Bedeker to get better. We talk about with East and West, we expect them, you know, to get better as the year goes on. And I think we almost undersell that in volleyball as well, especially with a team like Yoakum or like smaller schools in volleyball who a lot of their girls don't play volleyball full time. So they come into camp and they're probably a little rusty and they play all these tournaments, they play all these games in the preseason, and they just get better and better and better and better and better. And we're seeing that with Yoakum right now. And a Columbus team that beat Victoria West in four sets earlier this year. I mean, Yoakum lost in four. They lost 25-23 in the first set. Lost 25-23 in the second set. Won the third set 25-23. And then lost the fourth set 25-21. But, you know, those those first couple of sets which they lost, it's a point here. It's a point there. It's... Columbus digging out a ball that, you know, as Coach Nato put it after the game, how, you know, how the heck did they dig that out? Um, it's a serve into the net or just some kind of service error, and that's the difference in the set. Um, so for Yoakum, there's a there's a confidence about them now playing Columbus going forward because I do think la- talking to the team last year, they probably felt a little bit that they were overmatched. Um, going up against Columbus, and this year they feel, okay, we're not overmatched. We have, you know, we can go at them. We can play with them. And then also, you know, watching it, uh, Micah mentioned this during the break, like, oh, how do you, you know, because Columbus beat Goliad last year in a regional tournament. How does Goliad match up with them? And I was a little, you know, because Columbus has a lot of height at the net, and I was wondering, like, man, that's, you know, if there's one thing Goliad lacks, it's a ton of size. Uh, so how would that play out? Well, Columbus is not Columbus isn't or Yoakum isn't small, but they're not necessarily big either. And they had success against Columbus's front line. They were able to get some blocks in there. And I think Goliad, you know, they're ranked number one. Uh, they're a really really good team. So now it's like, okay, I don't necessarily think Columbus is just going to overwhelm everyone with size at the net the way I saw them a couple of times earlier this year. So it makes me excited for three A volleyball and what we have going forward. With uh, I think we're I think we're gonna have you know Columbus isn't in our area but they're close by but Yoakum and Goliad being you know being regional tournament contenders uh, state tournament contenders even it makes me excited because I think we you know I think come regional tur- region four tournament time we're gonna have a lot of fun covering volleyball in this area so that you know I know Columbus or Yoakum was really positive after last night and I kind of share a similar outlook because. They were very close to winning that game, and they they looked so much better than they did at the beginning of the season. So you just wonder, like, are they going to get five to ten percent better from now till a month from now and be playing, you know, be playing good enough volleyball to win the regional tournament, or you know, be right there, you know, come October, November. So excited to see that. Uh, but awesome volleyball action. Calhoun's ranked. Goliad's ranked number one. Yoakum's in the poll. Uh, East West played their best game to date last night. Uh, Schulenberg Shiner, they're out there battling it in two way. They're gonna play their first match here in a couple of weeks. That'll uh, you know, those two teams are two of the premier teams in two way. So we got some awesome volleyball here in the area. There's a lot to be excited about, but that will wrap it up for this week's episode of the Grid, episode number fifty five. We're chugging along. We keep going here. Week six of the high school football season. District play starting up. All these games really matter. It's an exciting time to be a high school sports fan. Thank you guys for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you back here next week.